Hey there, everybody. This is Scott Grimes. This is Mark Jackson. This is Patrick Cox. You know, Justin the Ogre. Hi, this is Jessica Zor. This is BJ Tanner. You are tuned into the Planetary Union Network with your host, Lieutenant Commander Portis. This is Joe Quickle. And I'm Michael May. And this is Planetary Union Network, the Orville official... I've fucked the lineup already. The Orville... <laughs> the official Orville New Horizons podcast. You wouldn't think that I had this, like, right in front of me or anything. <laughs> um, so, uh, for in the in the fan chair this week, we've got Kayla France, who um, got to meet down at NASA. She's a really cool person that... Uh, also won season two of King of the Nerds. Uh, Kayla, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. And we've got Tom here for a Hi. few minutes. Tom! <laughs> Hi, Tom! That's all my favorite people in one 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 faceless app. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I couldn't be more at ease with awesome. this specific group. Uh, sorry, I'm all like disheveled. <laughs> <laughs> looking for and looking for a charger for my computer. Um, how is everyone? Great, man! This episode, crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't dull, was it, man? So, no. <laughs> so this is so this was the one that uh, that I actually got to be there for part of that, and man, keeping keeping this without being able to talk about it for what was effectively three and a half years. It felt like, uh, or two and a half years. Uh, well, it, it definitely felt like three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, no, it's been wild that finally everyone gets to sort of see it and, uh, experience what we've been sitting on for the better part of the entire pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's, you know, it's wild. I mean, you know, for better or for worse too, it's, I think the expectations have gone up, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, unfortunately, like we have to be at such a high standard now right? because, yeah. because the landscape has changed and, you know, everybody, we've been, we've been gone so long. So it's, uh, you know, requires us to execute at a certain level. Yeah. You just keep raising your own bar too. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, we try. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, can I ask? Yeah. Um, did was this before, or after filmed before, or after the COVID lockdown for you guys? It was mostly filmed before the COVID lockdown. I'm still looking for my charger, by the way. I'm worried I'm going to lose you guys. Um, it, it was filmed mostly before the COVID shutdown, which is how we had a bunch of uh, people in masks in a tight area. Although we were starting to think about COVID, I remember going to the set and going. Hmm. <laughs> Cause it was like February of 2020. And I was like, eh, eh, eh. So this that was, was right kind before of, my trip to LA got canceled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so, uh, yeah, like a, probably a month. Um, God, I can, I can tell you that's the magic of the phone. <laughs> um, exactly when we shot those crowd scenes. 
it's just so interesting how it parallels February third. February third. It's just so yeah, interesting how it parallels what's going on right now. Right. And this Specifically, was accidentally now. Yeah. yeah. Like this week. <laughs> but but here's the thing: is that you know they're allegorical. I'm using the word properly. I mean, this script was written in twenty. I've had this script in my hand since 2019. So, you know, when you, I guess, when things are timely or timeless, then they kind of stay evergreen. So, that doesn't surprise me as much as it could, I guess. You know, right? Um, it's just one of those. I, I wouldn't say benefit, but it's just one of those side effects of of writing something in a in a in a more um, general sense. Sorry, that's my phone. <laughs> the always constant busy Tom. Yeah, I don't want to dominate with my with my you know hellishness. I am just happy to be here with the rest of you. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, Kayla? Thanks for that email today, by the way. That was the loveliest thing I've read read in a long time. And it was true. I mean, it, it really, truly is is true. The the impact that you're going to have on that. So, I, <laughs> I, well, I hope so. I hope. I mean, like I said, I think we've lost our way a little in terms of science and exploration. At least, as far as I wanted to grow up in that kind of world. So, anything that drives it back, I think, is a great thing. <laughs> Yeah, it is different from the 60s and the 70s when, in a sense, the space race was a form of almost a war. You know, it was the Cold War. You have a battle of technology, a battle of um, different opinions. And uh, so we don't have the 5% geo, geo, uh, the GPD. We don't have the funding and the blank check like we had in the 60s. And so it's... Right a lot harder for us to uh, continue going along and every new administration has different ideas and I will stop there. It's <laughs> <laughs> all you can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, for the kids, my ba- you know, my parents, the baby boomers, they had the Apollo program for you know the guys that started the shuttle program they had star trek like tos the original series star wars then there was my generation who we had the shuttle flying but it wasn't monumental like apollo was and uh but we had firefly star trek star wars we had all of those tv shows and so the kids of today i i i swear to you the kids of today are watching shows like the orville they're seeing Mercer, they're seeing his crew, and they're going to be inspired to fall in love with space. And so right. you are leaving that impact on the future of space explorations. And one of those kids whose first love is going to be space through the Orville is going to walk on Mars. Oh, well, I, I'm convinced of that. I Well, like I said, anything we can do to, to promote science and exploration and any sort of future utopia, I'm... Especially game for after this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I am totally sure. Top security for me. <laughs> yeah, it's been. Uh, who knew that um, our little uh, adventure uh, down at your workplace would be one of the 
last uh, uh, normal normal times. <laughs> I mean, it was six months, but it, like that six months feels like nothing now, you know? Yeah. No, it is crazy to think about that. That was the last time I got to do a tour for anyone on site. It was. Oh God. We we haven't started doing big tours yet. Actually, we're starting this week, so I'm I have a few tours tomorrow that I'll be doing for people. Well, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, it is public tours or. Um, it's friends and family because for three years none of us have been allowed to bring even our family <laughs> on site. Um, we're doing some friends and family tours so that people can. You know, the people who have been hired in the last three years can finally bring their family on site. And uh, see, the VIP tours and all those are also going to start up here in the next few weeks. See, that's super exciting. Finally, family and friends. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot about all those, too, in the last few years. Yeah. At least I did. Because I was in my little hole. <laughs> right. right. Uh, you always have your Twitter family. Say, say again? You'll always have the Twitter family. Oh, yes. And they are quite the family, the ever-growing family. No, that, that sounded actually cheeky, but it's, uh, no, it's, thank God, actually. Thank God for having a friendly, lovely, for the most part, uh, base of people who are just delightful to interact with. It makes a difference. But I also don't mind them beating me up so much, you know, as long as, as long, honestly, as long that you could say you can dump on the show all you want, as long as you do it in a professional fashion, I'm actually totally fine with it. I had seen a little boo-boo in the last episode, the one we'll talk about today. And I was like, do I point it out or not? Nah, there's enough people that'll probably point it out. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm going to say there are real people that we, you know, that are working really hard to get the show, you know on the air and so far morale is a good thing <laughs> yeah so far i haven't seen anybody point out what i had saw <laughs> well, I'm I'm just, what i was gonna just be cheeky about space battles and low planetary orbit they look pretty because my god brooke is doing such an amazing job and it looks beautiful but all that debris in low planetary orbit is just uh, <laughs> the rocket scientist in me cringes. Yeah, well, we we yeah, that's we we know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, actually, the one to talk to is Brandon Braga. No, uh, oh. Fayette, the okay, v, the other VFX supervisor. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, noted for, noted for scientific accuracy in the, you know, possible someday, maybe season four, I will bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's twice now that there's been a big battle at like planetary low orbit. And I'm just like, oh, the satellite assets. Oh my gosh. All the debris impacts on the surface. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, eventually it's not going to end well for Krill, I assume. <laughs> no, but the first one was at Earth orbit. With well, that was end. a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I brought that up when you guys were touring Johnson Space Center. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> well, regardless, like I said, I, engagement and interest is better than than the rest. You know, which is no one caring. That's the worst. A lot of people are caring this season, from what I'm seeing, yeah. and people yeah. at work. Oh gosh, uh, this is you guys are on all cylinders right well, now. I 
I do appreciate that. And look, and if people are, you know, I, I understand some people are not, you know, are missing some of the comedy. I mean, even I miss some of the comedies sometimes and I, I don't, I'm been public about that, but there will be opportunities for comedy. You know, there are 10 episodes and, um, you know, I, I, the show continues to grow, but it, it does not forgotten its roots. So mm-hmm. there will be laughs ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, no, it's, uh, I, like I said, people, you, you, like I said, any, any kind of engagement is, is good. You know, like I said, the opposite is it, it's, it's cold out there. So, <laughs> you know, I'd rather have people, people want to talk about something you've worked on than not at all. Absolutely. Oh. <sighs> Joe? I think I'm tired too. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big side, Joe. Yeah. yeah. But you guys are doing all right. I feel like I feel like Joe, we only talked like once on the phone recently, and I Mike, I can't remember when was the last time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're doing good here. Though. Oh, that's I mean, good. Super excited about the season and loving it so far. And yeah. Well, this I I I appreciate it. I think uh, I think the next, you know, the next episodes are gonna be uh pretty interesting too you know there's some big whiz bang but there's good character stuff so i think that'll be interesting to see how how people react yeah i cannot really say (laughs) (laughs) yeah and we've talked like joe and i've talked i'm I'm pretty spoiler reverse i don't i don't i don't really even want to look ahead or speculate or i just i love just kind of getting it as it comes and um yeah of course so i've got like this kind of anxiety about it all because i just don't i don't have any idea where this is all going and it's like it's getting real um which is fantastic i guess exactly where i want to be as a fan of a show uh but it's uh yeah it's definitely getting real (laughs) yeah right (laughs) (laughs) well I probably already have to jump it through the 630, which I hate because now I just want to hang out with you guys, which I knew is what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're just going to banter about uh, gently falling rain and just sort of hang. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love it. I, I, if I can escape, I, I, I am one click away. Okay. Cool. I feel like I've dominated the last, the last 14 minutes and now I'm, I feel, I feel I did not want to do that. No, you would. We, we want you to because it's lovely chatting with you. And um, like you said, you and I haven't connected in a long time. So I know. Good to hear your voice and uh, hear your thoughts on on the show. Yeah. Well, look. If you have any questions or anything, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a DM or a Twitter handle away or text <laughs> awesome. for 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 this group. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who, has my, who all knows me and all that but no it's uh i really appreciate it and um you know like i said there's definitely more to come and i think uh maybe towards the end of the season or as the at the near end when there's when most of this is public we can maybe have like a a bigger a bigger deep deeper dive where i don't have to like couch every word (laughs) (laughs) right right that'd be i'd be down for that yeah i figured no no i mean i'm being serious it's because it's you know out of respect and all, you know, it's like, I, I'm, I'm the one person who doesn't want to spoil. I think, you know, not just cause I, I think the, you know, Seth appreciates that, but I, I do think the element of surprise means something these days. Right. Since every bit of media is dissected 
to with an inch of its life. I don't mean our fan base. I just mean in general. Right. So mm -hmm. seeing things for the first, seeing things for the first time or, you know, some, I think there's a certain joy to it. Amen. So. All right. Well, I'm going to jump, but, uh, I will, uh, I don't know how, how long y'all chatting for. Uh, I guess until we're done, but, um, <laughs> And thanks, Tom, for popping in there for a few minutes. And um, so you want to get into the episode, Michael? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, it begins with our old friend, Talea. Um, she is giving an election speech. Uh, she's running for the office of Supreme Chancellor. And uh, boy, did her speech sound familiar. Um, it's uh, just the rhetoric that she's giving. It very trumpian um she's uh she's kind of running on a on a populist platform she's uh condemning the peace treaty with the planetary union uh saying that it puts the krill at risk she wants to put the krill first and uh, her audience is just eating it up um and i'll pause here so, the, kayla the way i i think we've kind of figured out how to do this i'm just gonna like i'll kind of describe a scene and then I'll pick a couple of seconds. And if you want to jump in with any comments or observations or whatever, then do you, and if I don't hear anybody, then I'll just kind of keep going. Okay. Copy. Cool. Um, so then after this, uh, we're on earth and this was, I wasn't sure what to make it this at first. I didn't know what was going on, but the, uh, <laughs> we're in a production of Annie. Uh, and it's like the big final scene. The cast is all singing. The sun will come out tomorrow. We got a Salayan girl playing Annie. Um, the actor playing Daddy Warbucks seems to be the same species as Lieutenant Dan, which I think I just now realized is a Forrest Gump reference. I, Maybe I re realized that earlier, but had forgotten it. <laughs> yeah, I saw you put that in the notes when you... <laughs> like, yeah, that's... That was like one of the first things I picked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might have commented on it back at the time, but I haven't thought about it in a while. Um, uh, but speaking of speaking of references, has anybody and yeah. this one kind of highlighted it that uh, Victor Garber sends, tends to have roles that reference his previous roles mm. because he played Daddy Warbucks. And, Did he? Yes. In a role, and you know, he, I've been waiting even, for. I've been waiting for the God spell. <laughs> every time i mean this is probably the first season i can watch an episode where he's in it where i'm not instantly going to godspell in my head because you remember an actor from where you first saw them right for me right. being a musical theater geek it was godspell i have a copy of that tape i have the his cd or that he's singing it and yeah <laughs> so i've been waiting for godspell to be a reference but i haven't heard it yet that's awesome. For me, it's got to be a Sidney Bristow reference. <laughs> Either that or I love his um, his little guest stint on uh, Will and Grace, where he's got a line that my wife and I still quote all the time. He's sinfully delicious. He also, he makes a reference to um, to the Titanic and uh, Legends of Tomorrow as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> something, yeah. something like... Uh, uh, bagging on whoever built the Titanic or designed the Titanic. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They just, whatever they want to give Victor Garber to do, <laughs> let him do it. Um, oh, do you have a, sorry. Well, 
before we keep going further, I actually want to go back to the very beginning of the cold open that yeah. the show had. I was in love with this moment because it starts with Krill. It's a space shot from like geostationary orbit. They're pretty far out there. Not a sound. No humming engines from a ship. No music. Absolutely silent. And it just warmed my little astronomer heart <laughs> that there was no sound in space. And so far, it's probably my favorite cold opening that I've seen on the show. <laughs> yeah. I love how it's scientifically accurate. And it also just really, it sets a mood for yeah. what's about to happen as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we get that we're, we get this big Broadway production and, uh, and it, it finishes up. And of course the audience is clapping and the, kind of pan over and we see some krill in the audience we got the supreme chancellor there um i think you know the ambassador is there they're not really sure how to respond but they kind of like slowly figure out everybody's putting their hands together and so they start to kind of mimic the clapping and uh after that we are at a dinner and uh so supreme chancellor corin uh, he's still into the treaty. We're talking about the treaty. His companions slightly less into it, uh, but they talk about this upcoming election on Krill. And Corin is confident that he's going to win. And uh, in fact, he's so confident that he invites the union leaders to come to Krill to sign the treaty immediately after he's reelected. Um, and so then we cut to <laughs> the Orville, um, which I mean, what we cut to is a Wild West saloon, uh, but it's not hard to figure out that it's our, our crew is in the simulator. <laughs> um, so we got Ed and Kelly and Tala and Gordon and Charlie, and they're all just kind of hanging out in the saloon drinking. And uh, we find out that they're in a kind of historical pub crawl they're they're drinking their way through history <laughs> and uh um currently they're in the wild west and ed shares my opinion on pub crawls he's which i love yeah. he's like look why why do we have to keep moving like it's just we're enjoying ourselves we're in this cool bar let's the drinks are okay like let's just stay here and the drinks are going to be the same at the next place so, <laughs> yep. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm on the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and is this is this where we find that Tala has been promoted? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's lieutenant commander now, which is cool. Um, and, and then they're interrupted by Cowboy Isaac, <laughs> which was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, this this town will not accommodate the numerical totality of our combined mass. And that killed me. <laughs> me too. It was so great. <laughs> it's a great line. He's got a crazy big hat and a crazy mustache. <laughs> big old handlebars. <laughs> right. Uh, I wanted more of that. <laughs> uh, but they're interrupted by a call from Admiral Halsey. Um, so Halsey talks to Ed and, uh, um, I think Kelly's there too, and he, uh, but thanks to the Orville's role in, in bringing the Krill and the Union together, Halsey wants them to be the ship that transports the treaty delegation, and he even invites Ed to attend just because of how uh, 
uh, um, I guess, uh, influential he's been in everything. So the delegation is Union President Alcuzan. Is that how you say his name? Yes. And is this the first time we've seen him? I don't recall seeing him before. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, Um, pretty sure it is. Played, I didn't recognize him, but I was pleasantly surprised to find out he's played by Bruce Boxleitner, um, who mm-hmm. uh, people my age remember him from Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Um, was it Bring Him Back, Dead or Alive? Uh, Bring Him Back, I forget what it was called. But he played this uh, kind of, a, it was a like an Indiana Jones inspired series back in the 80s where he was like a... Um, a safari leader or something. Yeah. I think um, he was also in a tales from the crypt episode. And, yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on this in the news segment, but um, I believe that, uh, that he's also going to be um, the narrator of the uh, audio book for the novella that uh, for the episode that they weren't able to actually shoot this season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. I believe that is, correct because i'm planning on getting the book the audio book (laughs) that's time to read (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i dig him so i was that was cool and uh and alkazan is he's a cool like he's got a really interesting like memorable look to him um like he really stood up before i realized he was the president it's like oh who's that guy um we also meet a Zelayan senator named Speria Belasque, who is played by Lisa Barnes, who was tragically killed last year in a hit-and-run accident. Mm-hmm. And this episode is dedicated to her. Um, she's probably best known for Gone Girl, but she's been around a long time. She had roles in Young Guns and Cocktail back in the 80s. Um, but uh, I, I wasn't aware of her passing and what a tragic story mm-hmm. um who else uh so halsey is also a part of this delegation and uh in the briefing room halsey catches ed up on talea's campaign we find out that after ed released her in season two she joined this small but vocal radical group uh dedicated basically to making krill great again and uh then we're in Ed's quarters and he explains uh, kind of the Krill election practices to Kelly, both sides using this faked footage to create fear and manipulate public opinion. And uh, Ed's watching an example of some of that that was cooked up by Talea's campaign casting the, uh, the uh, casting Corin in a, in a really negative light. So we got three Krill battle cruisers to escort the Orville to Krill. And uh, I know we had heard before about Krill being kind of in this perpetual darkness. And I don't remember if they explained why, um, but they make it very clear here that there's this kind of extremely dense cloud coverage over the whole planet, um, which not only keeps the planet kind of in full nighttime all the time, but also makes it really rough to, uh, to ride through. But Charlie pilots the shuttle. She's awesome at it. And um when they come through, like there's this, this beautiful neon city. And uh, as 
not crazy about krill culture as I am. I just, I love the aesthetics of the planet. It's really pretty kind of like Blade Runner esque maybe. Uh, but even like not as grimy as Blade Runner um, is really pretty. Yeah. It, it, it kind of, it reminded me a little bit of Coruscant. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can see that too, especially in like attack of the clones, like that, some of the, the shots that we got of Coruscant and attack of the clones. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah. Before you move on, uh, I don't know. I, I'm a nerd. You guys know that. You know, I'm a rocket scientist. So, Mercer says that the density of the cloud coverage is 80 kilometers, which is roughly 50 miles. So, that, that cloud column they went through is roughly 50 miles. Mm. And I, I try, this is me, I went and put it in comparison to like, <laughs> what we have on earth and some of the other planets in the solar system and like the highest possible um, big fluffy cloud that you see in like the troposphere is really only like 11.5 miles above the atmosphere. Okay. Um, If you want to get up to the 50 mile radius, uh, you'd have to do a knock I can never say it right. The Noculuent. I cannot say the word. Sorry. I uh, can't help you. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I can't help you either. <laughs> N-O, it's N-O-C-T-I-L-U-C-E-N-T. Not to lucent clouds. Um, they're at 53 miles. Venus, which is known for its cloud covered um, cloud coverage, that's only 20 kilometers thick or about 12.4 miles. Um, you'd have to go to Titan which is the thickest atmosphere in the solar system Mm. to even get close to these kind of densities that they have on uh, the Krill planet. And even then it's not nearly the same because it's more of a haze layer. Um, But that is like 270 kilometers above the surface of the planet. So it was just really crazy to think about 80 kilometers of a cloud column is just that is one heck of an atmosphere, you guys. <laughs> no, no wonder they no wonder they evolved to be basically yeah. burned alive with sunlight. Right, right. Well, Makes and this is life. the moment that all of a sudden the comment about Annie's son will come out being such a torturous and bad thing. Because if you think yeah. about it, if you live in this perpetually clouded environment like Venus, if all of a sudden your cloud burns off. It is not a good day on your planet. So yeah, I guess yeah. the sun coming out tomorrow would be like death and destruction. And, it's a horrible uh, threat. Yeah. That, that just cracked me up when I kind of realized, oh, so that's what they meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was the what was the line in in retrospect, maybe Oklahoma was a better idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is one of my least favorite plays. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to digress on that. No, that's great. That, that's I just great. thought that'd be really cool to, to, to put it into perspective. Yeah, I love it. Used to. <laughs> um, they also they invite Charlie to join them, um, join the delegation, kind of as an observer. I think the plan was she was just going to stay on the shuttle, but um, uh, Halsey invites her, and it's, you know, if it's okay with Ed, and he says, "Yeah, sure." So, um, and. We were, my wife was watching this with me and we were a little concerned um, because we didn't know where the episode was going. Um, But, you know, Charlie doesn't have the biggest filter uh, when it comes to what's on her mind. So we were a little concerned that maybe she was going to 
say the wrong thing to the wrong person. Cause an interspecies incident. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Charlie is not a character I'm enjoying so far. Oh, really? I, I, I've I, always kind of, Clyden always kind of graded me the wrong way. No, now it's Charlie. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm not liking her. I just, I haven't liked her since the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... Yeah, I feel the same way about Clyden, and I totally get it about Charlie. I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm, I feel like she's on a journey. I don't know what the journey is exactly, but yeah. um, whereas Clyden, I don't know that he is. Like, I feel like he's probably just going to always be the way he is. I mean, hopefully, we see her grow into more understanding or back away from so much hate. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. It will be interesting to see which direction yeah. they go with that character. Right. Yeah, I'm um, not sure. I'm not sure how she makes that that pivot. Um, you know, it's going to be some kind of. I hopefully it's not a heroic action on behalf of Isaac dying to save her or something. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and I think we talked but, about uh, in the first yeah. episode. Like, you know, she could <laughs> go full villain by the end. Like, you know, we just, you know, the possibilities are. That's mm-hmm. true. That's Endless, true. but um, I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm really curious about it. And hopefully, we get uh, to, to some people's dismay that uh, maybe we'll see Clyden in the next episode. But okay, <laughs> um, you know, I don't like him, but he's always he always shakes things up. It's always interesting <laughs> when he's around. He does shake things up. Um, the poem that um, Alcuzan says when uh, they were coming into. Uh, Krill, he makes a comment about night falls fast. Mm. Um, that is actually a real poem that was written in 1939 by Edna St. Vincent Millay. Okay. And it's from the poem, Not So Far as the Forest, which is all about death and winter. So I was really interested on why it went there because <laughs> you would think in that moment it's supposed to be we're, we're entering a new era of peace and this is a new adventure and so i didn't understand why it fit there but yeah uh, why is that on his mind that's yeah that is interesting yeah 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 so but i'm also maybe not the best at dissecting poems or anything so i just thought that was interesting because i'd recognized that phrase and i I double checked where i thought it was from and i was like huh that's interesting that it was there, yeah. That's cool. Because there was a lot of poems in this one, because later on it's Ozzy Mendez, so. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing it up, because I, I will definitely be checking that out later after we talk. Um, So there, the, the Union delegation is with Corrin as the election results come in, and uh, it's in a development that is surprising to Corrin and his group. Some key districts vote for Talea and she wins up, she ends up winning the election. Um, so Corin tells him, you know, he's, he's very concerned, but he says, you know, look, this has happened before. We're going to contest it. Uh, we'll contest the results before the circle of clerics, uh, before they ratify the election. Um, and I guess I kind of made a connection between the circle of clerics kind of being like our electoral college. Um, <laughs> so, um, but before he can do anything, some soldiers burst in who uh, support Talea, and they arrest Corin. They arrest his people. They arrest the Union delegation. It's like they were ready, 
uh, for all of this. So it's um, and somebody makes the comment that you know this is she doesn't have the authority to, to make any arrest. She hasn't been sworn in yet. Like, you know, this is a coup. It's not a, not standard procedure for the crow. Yeah. And and go ahead. Well, I was just going to say they recorded this before January 6th of 2021. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the whole episode is crazy. Just the timing of the whole thing is just yeah. Wild. That was one reason why I asked Tom, like, was this before or after you know the COVID freeze? Because I was just like, wow, right, right. wow, yeah. who time traveled for this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, right then at this moment, in orbit, a krill ship locks onto the Orville with a tractor beam, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Kelly orders Lamar to enact directive 21 and uh, somebody that I follow on Twitter. um, I forget who, but they said that they kind of figured out pretty quickly what directive 21 was. I didn't, I didn't know until it was revealed towards the end, but what about you guys? Like, did you you know what that was? This was about when I figured it out. Okay. Because Ed brings it up pretty early, right? Because don't, don't they bring it up earlier in the episode? Is that the first time they bring it up? I well, my memory is horrible at this kind of stuff, but like I don't remember anybody specifically talking about Directive Twenty One as a phrase uh, before, but maybe they did. Yeah, I don't know either. That's so. Um, th- this is where we say, "Let us know on Twitter." because i do remember i have a note right about here in my notes where i'm just why aren't they using the hollow emitters like just the way it was like get dr finn and everything that they start talking about i quickly was just like all right something's up where they're gonna like pretend to be someone else and then the rest of the episode i was trying to figure out which freaking krill they were like the whole time Mm. (laughs) so this was definitely one i i want to say it was the second time though that they brought up directive 21 okay but i i thought ed was the first one that brought it up earlier on now i'm gonna have to go rewatch the episode yeah yeah maybe he did maybe maybe he dropped that name earlier because then kelly asked like how is it going you got two more minutes because they needed to get him off the vehicle before they escaped from low earth or low krill orbit Mm but I might have it mixed up in my head, but I do remember pretty quickly realizing like what they were trying to hint at with 21. And yeah. So the, is 21, is that number mean anything besides just being a random number or. You know, I, that's a, that's a really good question. And also the fact that it hasn't made it to the Orville wiki yet <laughs> leads me to believe that this is the first episode they've used it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I no, mean, for I me, it was, was the case. for me, it was just the fact that Dr. Finn asked, I'll have Dr. Finn help you. We need to like, just the way it all got mm. started phrasing, looking at my notes, like I quickly was like, all right, doctor, if, if the doctor's involved, there's going to be a medical procedure, right? This could so, be another one of those um, situations where the, uh, the timeline diverged because we had two timeline shifts. Mm-hmm. At, um, Actually, two timeline shifts after they use that, uh, use the, um, uh, oh, like the hollow emitters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Um, you know, there was, I don't think there was Halloween. Priya, which was after Krill. Mm-hmm. And then also the, um, I don't know. Maybe they don't have it in this timeline. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it, they fooled yeah. me. They fooled me the whole way through. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like my wife and I were like really trying to figure out like okay, what is Directive Twenty One, and and I guess oh. because she called Lamar first, I that was enough of a distraction from uh, from Finn that uh, I was assuming it was something to do with the engines or something to do with some kind of weird thing they were going to do to the ship or I don't know. That's kind of where my brain was going. Yeah, I mean the. For- that matter, they could have just turned the uh, the Arbor Day joke into a directive, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And speaking of which, uh, like Gordon, um, so they they go into battle here. Right? The the krill, like they destroy the uh, the tractor beam, and the krill opens fires on them, and and Gordon is uh, able to evade the krill fire uh, until. <laughs> Lamar is ready. This is where he comes like with a the something helix maneuver or something that spiraling helix. Yeah, and Kelly's like, "What is that?" He goes, "I just made it up." <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Bordis gets space sick. <laughs> oh, God, that's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> I got that right here. Ooh, Bordis space sick. LOL. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, so once Lamar is ready, whatever that means, that we know now, but I didn't at the mm-hmm. time. But uh, Kelly orders a quantum jump, and so they they're able to escape. Meanwhile, down on the planet, Talia executes Corin in public. She just mm-hmm. uh, stabs him, and uh, she also vows that she'll bring similar justice to the Union leaders. So it's getting pretty terrifying down there now. Did you guys think it was odd that everything that we're seeing is in English? And then all of a sudden, the Supreme Chancellor Corin says something to her in Krill. Did not even notice. And then it's not like translated. Mm-hmm. It's not in the closed hmm. captioning. So, I, you know, I have, ooh, what did he say to her in Krill? But it, it almost pulled me out a little bit because, you know, you just assume universal translators, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then all of a sudden there's a Krill phrase and there's no translation to it. And it's like, ah, huh? Yeah. I thought that was a little odd, but again, that's just me. (laughs) Cause now I want to know what was said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I do too now. I think we, we can probably find that out. (laughs) Yeah, We know people. (laughs) (laughs) But that did take me out for a moment because I was just like, all of a sudden, like, we've heard all of her speeches in English. So you would assume they were in Krill. So then you would assume she's speaking in Krill to the crowd as she's assassinating him or executing him. And then all of a sudden he speaks Krill without any translation. And that just, hmm, interesting choice. Yeah. Um. So, so they arrested all of the uh, the union leaders. They've got them in a cell, but Talia has Ed brought to her, um, and uh, she she basically mocks him for letting her go back in season two, saying that was a pretty naive thing to do. And he reminds her that the reason he set her free was to try to bring their people together, mm-hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean anything to her. She doesn't care. She just continues to you know kind of say call him naive um 
she says that the Krill have developed some new weapons, so that she thinks that they can withstand the Kalon without the Union's help. And uh, she lets Ed know that he and the others will be executed the next day. And she has a couple of soldiers escort him out. Um, and uh, I guess the last thing I'll say before they, I pause is like they did, they put a black cloak over him, which is a little bit weird. Like it's kind of a, a clue that something else is kind of going on here. But And this is where I started looking at all the different krill going, all right, which one's Lamar? Yeah. Like, I, I seriously, from this moment on, every krill I see, I'm trying to find Lamar because I'd already kind of caught on what direct, what I thought directive 21 was. Mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, does Ed not know? And it, you know, what's going, you know, I just, there's something about this odd moment where it's like, here, put this cloak on. We're going to yeah. take you out somewhere. So it was like, okay, where, where, where's, where's our people? <laughs> our people's got to be down here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they're obviously not just taking them back to the cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was trying to figure out, too, like, I, I still wasn't, like, clued in on, on Lamar being part of this. But I was like, I don't know. I didn't know what was going on. Like, are these actually Talaya's people? Or have they substituted themselves into, like, infiltrated Talaya's group or something? Um, and uh, so what happens well, I guess first of all, it, well, we got to go back to the Orville because um, Talia lets Kelly know about the upcoming execution, and Kelly contacts Admiral Perry, played by Ted mm-hmm. Danson, who agrees with her about um, a military rescue of the delegation. They say this is basically this is an act of war. We're going to treat it as an act of war, and at some point, somebody says they formally declare war against the Krills. So, yeah, yeah. Um- Commander Grayson asks Admiral Perry if they formally declared, and he said yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, probably just to make sure that they're free to fire at will. Right, right. Um, but the soldiers who they turn out to actually be Talia soldiers, uh, but they're ambushed, ambushed, ambushed by some other krill who then take Ed away to a secret location. So, um. And uh let's see where so they they take off Ed to this place. There's a woman there who introduces Ed to a young girl who is half human and half krill. And the woman explains that this is Ed and Talea's daughter, and her name is Anaya. And this is the scene that I saw get shot. Really? Oh, how the, cool. Out of all the damn scenes. <laughs> in this episode, right, right. To have to keep a secret for two and a half years. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So first, and, and they, they, this was on a on a different sound stage than they normally have. Like it's not the one where the where the uh, ship is. It's mm-hmm. not the not engineering, which they or not engineering, but um, the shuttle bay that they repurpose for loads of things. Right. Um, so yeah, I saw Seth walk by in the robe, mm. and mm. then uh, yeah, then they they started doing this scene. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was definitely an old snap moment when I was watching it. Like all yeah. wide eyes. Like I'm looking at my cats. Like, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But before this moment, real fast. Um, 
Commander Grayson, Kelly Grayson. Man, I love her badass side. Can I say yeah. badass? Man, yeah, yeah. her badass side. Because just before we get this reveal is when we see her going, you know, mono on mono with uh, Talia. And oh, I loved that little back and forth between them. I loved her, her just badass. Like you don't see her flinching, even when you know that what is being said is really kind of hurting her and snapping against her a little bit mm-hmm. about like the relationship with Ed and everything. And oh. I love that moment. Oh my God. It was acted beautifully. And I want to see more badass Kelly. Like I want to see that badass. I want to see her keep doing that. Cause that was awesome. Yes. Very cool. Um, Sorry, if I lost my my place in my notes. No, that's, I I appreciate you bringing that up because I agree. Um, Kelly is like, she's always tough. She's always pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, she really has to pull it out. Like she's just in a really tough situation and she more than rises to it. Yeah, definitely in this, this episode, she, she really did. And I loved seeing that. Um, so this woman, who's kind of like the caretaker, uh, Anaya's caretaker. Um, she, talks about how she and her allies are moderates who believe that an alliance with the union is still possible. And they want Ed to convince Talia into softening on the treaty. Um, and so apparently Talia had ordered her soldiers to sneak Ed off the planet. That was like the whole cloak thing came in. Um, so the moderates think that she still cares about him and that maybe he has a chance of, uh, of talking her into a different course of action. Um, and I'm a little confused because we don't really know too much about this caretaker and um, like, how was she selected to watch Anaya? Why is she, uh, I don't know her, her political opinions are so different from Talia's, but she's put in this really like seriously um, sensitive position. Um, so I don't know. I just, I want to know more about like, who she is and how Talia got, you know, assigned her this role. And I don't know, there's some, there's some backstory there that I want to know more about. I almost feel like we might see that because I too was like, where, where does, cause we know she goes away for a couple of months before she resurfaces, you know, she leaves the military comes back as this, um, the, this, populist movement Mm -hmm. leader and stuff. And I almost feel like, is there someone else behind her maybe pulling the puppet strings? Mm. Uh, Could the, and if that's the case, could Anaya honestly being, being, even though she's being treated well as a kid, is she a pawn in this game? Like, I almost feel like there's maybe something else going on and that we might see more about it. Cause it feels like way too many people know about, Ed know about this kid mm-hmm. you know how many of the guards knew about the sneaking off and the fact that other people knew when the they were gonna sneak him off it just feels like for trying to protect herself in this uh, viewpoint a lot of people know about it and secrets don't last very long if there's more than one person that knows yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so it does it feels a little interesting that I feel like there's I, I I don't know anything about what's coming up, but I'm like, mm, are we going to see 
more of this story. We're going to come back to Krill and, and kind of see this take another step. And and what's going to happen here? Do we find out someone else is manipulating the scenes or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, because before we get to the end of the episode, like the people in the union definitely float the idea of maybe using Anaya as a, mm-hmm. as a pawn. And um, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get there. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you would think that people on Krill were also kind of uh, <laughs> coming up with that same possible solution. Yeah. Uh, but Ed goes back to see Talia and uh, she admits that she doesn't want to kill him, but she still rejects him. She rejects his hope for... Um, human krill unity and at some point in this conversation we we get the revelation that anaya uh and krill means gently falling rain which is where the the episode title comes from she's in denial he uh he asked why she she allowed anaya to be born and she chastises them and his species for their ideas about abortion uh which is super timely this week yeah the uh, uh hearkening back to kayla's comment who's got the time machine Right, right. Yeah. And uh, she takes him to a punishment facility where a couple who aborted their fetus are forced to have a conversation with a genetic simulation of who their potential child might have become. And uh, it's a pretty heartbreaking scene. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't. This was probably the biggest, oh, damn moment. Like, Seeing Ed have a kid was like, oh, snap. But then this moment and the back and forth between, you know, Ed's comment and then the Krill's reaction to it and their opinion of it and just the religious zealousness of it. It definitely, dang. And especially with, again, they filmed this in 2019 and then what happened last week right? with Roe v. Wade. And it was just like, how <laughs> did they get that timing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's, it's probably not a topic we want to dive into, but it was just wow. Right. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this it's crazy. Left me gobsmacked a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of discussion that could be had about. It. We could we could seriously have like you know a three hour talk about. that aspect of it and we won't get into it but it's it's you know and it's just it's a mark of some great (laughs) kind of prophetic (laughs) writing that um i don't know that the show always seems to to kind of be willing to have these conversations all these really serious very complicated subjects and and not what's what i love about the show not present like any final answers like Ed definitely has his opinions about things and other characters have their opinions about things. Um, but um, the show never puts forth like one definitive completely, answer. yeah, definitive uh, solution as the answer. Yeah. So, and that's, that's kind of what Roddenberry tried to do with the Trek with Trek in the sixties. And, you know, it's considered the, you know, the Roddenberry way and stuff, not to to bring too much Star Trek into it, but this is what sci-fi has definitely been good with. There's even Mm -hmm. Asimov and Heinlein stories that do very similar in the thirties, forties and fifties. So, you know, that's, this is 
a tool that science fiction has always been able to do is take right. the what's going on in the world today, apply it to these aliens and this far-fetched idea, and oh, look, now you can look at it from a maybe less emotional point of view and start seeing it from both sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next day, Talea presents the Union prisoners for public execution, and it's about the same time that the Union fleet arrives in orbit, and uh, Talea is informed about this as so she orders her fleet into battle. And uh, as that's going on, she stabs President Alcazan, um, but two Krill soldiers rush on stage and throw flash grenades, which... Um, you know, of course, like, you know, Krill are especially susceptible to bright light. So this is a great weapon to use against mm -hmm. them. Um, Non-lethal, but very, very effective. And uh, the soldiers rescue the Union delegates. They take them to an escape vehicle. And this is where we find out what Director 21 was. Mm -hmm. It was that uh, here, here you finally have Lamar and Dr. Finn. Yeah. There they are. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you pretty much know that something's up there immediately. When there were the krill that threw the uh, <clears throat> the flash bangs, were didn't yeah. uh, have Affect to them. look away from it. Yeah, <laughs> and they didn't have sunglasses on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My you guys are more observant than I was about that part too. I didn't. And, I didn't. And, and now I want to see a krill wearing sunglasses. <laughs> 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 Ask Tom. I'm sure there's an extra somewhere and he there's has the photo. Be, right? <laughs> um, but before that, my big question was like, did Ed, I, I have it written down here and we find out later that the Admiral knows, but I was like, what? Can you imagine what that conversation had to have been like when he got back to the cell after returning to the Capitol and admitting to the president, the senator, and the Admiral, Admiral Halsey, that, oh, by the way, I have a kid. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was definitely curious, like, what had been said, because we don't know. It just cuts from one to the other. But then mm -hmm. at the end of the episode, we, we hear the Admiral talking about it. So we know that they know. But it was like, God, what was that conversation? Yeah. Like, yeah. Be a fly on that wall. Right. Right. How, yeah. How do you even bring that up? I mean, it, is is there not classes in the uh, the uh, union about interspecies sex? Uh, <laughs> granted, he probably he didn't know at the time. I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Recurring theme this episode is all kinds of protocols. Or this episode, this season, all kinds of protocols are being developed. Uh, <laughs> and it all It'll involves it, it typically. Point. Yeah, it typically involves things that that uh that spread and requires protection so yeah <laughs> well maybe contraception doesn't work on krill <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> doesn't work the same way yeah somehow um, the pieces lined up <laughs> so uh back in orbit um uh, so Lamar and Charlie, between the two of them, they get the, the vehicle to the shuttle. They get the shuttle to the Orville. All while this super cool looking, really brutal battle is taking mm -hmm. place between the Union and the Krill forces. It looks great. Oh, um, beautifully. Well, oh, yeah. the visuals this year are so on point. Mm -hmm. And I love the sexy new shuttle. And oh yes. my God, it's all beautiful. The battles in low planetary orbit. Just no. <laughs> <laughs> 
that orbital debris will make going in and out of that planet really bad for a long time. <laughs> Who's going to clean up that debris, man? <laughs> That's the curl's problem. <laughs> Talea has to deal with that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so once, uh, once the Union delegates get on board the Orville, the Union forces withdraw. And uh, that's pretty much the end of this conflict. Although I guess we're still at a state of war, right? It's been declared. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there was a comment earlier. Was it this episode or was it the last episode where they're talking about uh, having to fight a war on two fronts? It was this episode. This yeah. episode, yeah. That was Charlie pointed it out. Right. Um, which, of course, the Krill are in the same position that uh, – they're they're gonna have to fight the union as and the Kalon as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how this goes. But uh on Earth, Halsey tells Ed and Kelly that the president's gonna be okay. And here he suggests the possibility of revealing Anaya's existence in order to force Talea into changing her stance on the treaty. But he says that it's Ed's decision to make. And uh Ed's concerned that doing that could put Anaya in danger just because if Talia has to make a choice between her child and her political ambitions, then he doesn't really know her anymore. He doesn't, or he may, if he ever did, he did, he, he just doesn't know what she's capable of and what decisions she might make. So he doesn't want mm-hmm. to put Anaya in that position. And so Halsey leaves and uh, Ed and Kelly have this really touching, a touching conversation about Ed's fatherhood. Um, she says that she always thought he'd make a great dad. She was sad that they never got that far in their relationship. And he talks about just missing Anaya, even though he only met her the one time, but he's more determined than ever to help the union, the Krill find peace, if only for the sake of his daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is really sweet. Just like Kelly, she doesn't really know what to say. She doesn't know how to help, but she invites him to breakfast and they go off to breakfast together. They got their arms around each other and uh, I'm trying hard not to ship them. Cause I don't think that's what the show's about, but <laughs> I still kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get one last scene on Krill as Talea is watching a screen, which has, I guess what I'm presuming to be a live feed of Anaya playing. She's been playing with this toy like every time we've seen her. Um, and so Talia's just kind of watching her and her expression is pretty inscrutable. Like I, I was trying to really hard to read like, okay, is this showing us that she loves her daughter and maybe she kind of contemplating some things that has said to her uh, or on the other hand, does she now see Anaya as a possible threat since Ed knows about her? And uh, I was just kind of curious to know what you guys thought. Like, what what do you imagine is going through her mind right there in the last scene? Or the third possibility, does she now see Anaya as a tool to hurt Ed? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so, so tell me more about that. Like, how would how would that work? Um, I mean, just like the admiral, excuse me, just like the admirals at, uh, in the union are talking about using Anaya as a possible pawn 
uh, a way to use her politically uh, to disrupt uh, the power, you know, let people know that she exists. Mm-hmm. They, Talea, could also use the child in the same way okay. towards Ed. Um, use her as I, I'm thinking on my feet here. I yeah. hadn't fully thought of this until you just start talking, but. Um, Hey Ed, your child's now on this volcanic planet. Go save him! And, and you know, it, the 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 child could be used in a way to disrupt Ed's ability to command. Ed's ability right. to be a part of um, it, whatever massive battle might come next or something. All of a sudden, the Orville is like, "No, I have to go save my daughter," and goes off in this other direction. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there there's bound to be if she's this evil hateful person she could find ways to even show with this whole fake news thing that they're doing and that you know that the corn gassed all these people which really never happened well what if a vid surfaces of anaya's head on a plank in the marketplace Mm. that would definitely really upset the union upset ed yeah, she might not yeah. even be hurt because it might be one of these deep fakes of uh, these fake news reels. Um, but I think that's kind of a third possibility that if we can use her as a pawn, so can Talia. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'd not considered that, but you're right that she could, whatever, however she might do it. She has this weapon now, this emotional weapon to use against Ed and as his kind of importance to the union, mm-hmm. you know, kind of rises. Um, cause he, he's kind of proving himself to be indispensable. Um, and, uh, if she's got this tool to use against him, then that could also influence the way the union is able to respond to, uh, to her demands, whatever they mm-hmm. might be. So, or does something happen and people who want peace amongst, everyone steals Anaya. Now all of a sudden you've got Ed and Talia teaming up again. Like there, right. there's a couple ways they can go yeah. with, with using Anaya um, in a future story or a plot device. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, and it's really difficult to read her emotion. Right. Even though you can, see her face it's total different than uh than isaac which you can capture every emotion through (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah you don't know whether that scene is she's looking yeah in what way she's looking Mm -hmm. through the screen at at anaya right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think that the actors and, and probably the writer, the directors and stuff are doing that on purpose. I, I oh, think yeah. there's definitely, you, you know, they're wanting you to think this. We're want, they're wanting to know because they know what's going to come up next. And yeah. so I, I think a lot of that was done in, in purpose. And uh, it'll be interesting to see when it, it comes back. For sure. Yeah, we're supposed to be asking the questions that we're asking right now. <laughs> to, yeah. All right. That's the episode. Yeah, this was a great episode. For sure. Season just keeps building. I'm loving it. I'm avoiding Twitter at all costs a lot of times once Seth or Tom (laughs) posts the the trailer for the next thing. I'm like, la, 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 la. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to hear anything. 
I don't want to even read the description of the episode before I press play. I just want to go into it completely blind because <laughs> I'm loving being surprised. I'm loving these moments where we're laughing with the 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 humor. We're laughing with the crew. We're we're developing with the crew, but then you know being surprised and having the plot twists thrown at us. And I'm I'm really really enjoying this season. Me too. Yeah, I, th- I think. Um... <clears throat> The next episode, which uh, Tale of Two Tobas, I think that's the now I know first the name one. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, just for everybody else, um, I think that's the first episode this season that I'm completely that I'm going completely cold. Hmm. I mean, I might see something in the episode that I recognize that I had out of context, but um, yeah. I haven't watched the uh, the trailer for you either. Um, so when you, next time you guys watch this episode, go to the very end with the balcony scene, and when we first see Ed and Kelly on the balcony, look at the um, the Union logo behind them, and you'll see that says Planetary Union Orville. But then when they zoom in and they're like, it's a close up on um, Admiral Halsey. All of a sudden, it says Planetary Union Central. Huh. So that was the big that the little oopsie that I noticed when I was watching it. I had to like rewind it because I was like, "Wait, did that just say?" Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. yeah now I'm gonna have to pay more attention to that. <laughs> um, the other but thing. I mean, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's like a. I, I I always look out for random like, oh, did they throw Planetary Union Network in there anywhere? <laughs> there, there's been discussion of that, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, the sticker was was in um, just off camera uh, behind a wall uh, for the med- for the medical bay forever. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, <laughs> waiting to see the NASA logo get thrown up or something. That ancient <laughs> yeah. Earth exploration, yeah. Um, and the other thing is, did the name Dalakos sound familiar to either of you? Hmm. Not specifically. It. it no, no. It, it rhymes with something else that, from something different. So, that's so I don't know where they came up with it, but even the spelling, I, I use uh, closed captions, even the spelling matches that of um, Dalakos. The Crafter of Wonders, who is a uh, character in Magic the Gathering. Huh. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think there's any other lore behind that name that I know of. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. I'm hearing that. I'm like, why do I know that? Why do I know that? And I have a friend who's obsessive with Magic the Gathering. <clears throat> Excuse me. Since we were young, like, you know, 2003 in high school. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, that's why I know that name, because he talks about it a lot. Oh, they definitely they definitely use that. I'm looking at the card right now. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like a, gr- a, a blue fish-like. Yeah. Color. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely. Um, that's got to be a reference. <laughs> yeah. One of the writers or something like that is into it. Yeah. Um, and I'm also kind of curious when you guys, because we, we kind of grazed over when they walked through 
uh, the Capitol and they saw the big statue of Avis. Mm-hmm. What did what kind of vibes did that give you guys? <sighs> Just the I, hall in general, or whatever. Oh, there were a couple of things, but it but it really looked like. Uh, Kind of gave me a like a Ministry of Magic sort of vibe. Thank you. <laughs> I have it right here. Harry Potter Magic uh, Ministry of Magic meets Romulus. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I didn't make any connection when you when I watched it, but when you asked the question, what came to mind was like maybe the Jedi Temple, um, kind of Sithized. Mm. Uh, but, uh, I'm always like looking for some of that stuff, like the the door to the environmental simulator. I swear to God, it looks like R two D two. That reminds me of the uh, episode last season, um, the alternate timeline where Yavit pops through the door like the like Jabba's palace. Oh yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, and, he, you know, Mercer did say, may the force be with you in that one episode. <laughs> I was like, of all the things he could have said, I probably would have gone a different direction, but okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of hoping, uh, I, I asked Seth that question <laughs> a yeah. bit ago, that uh, I was hoping that there was going to end up being a gag reel of just a whole bunch of different lines <laughs> that they... When I asked that, I was hoping that was the case, but it turned out being totally scripted that that's what they landed on. But yeah, like I just wanted several different lines in that, and just one. (laughs) That's one small step for man, (laughs) one giant leap for the Orville. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this episode was awesome. Uh, So uh, yeah. I'd, where do we go from here? <laughs> um, um, okay, so um, touched on it a little earlier, but uh, the novella called Sympathy for the Devil comes out July 19th. Uh, that's adapted from a script season three episode that never got shot uh, because of COVID travel issues. They were going to shoot it overseas. Oh, wow. Um, I. If I'm remembering correctly, and this has been a this is a years old conversation now. I think it was going in. I think it was going to be in Prague. If I'm remembering that conversation right, but uh, doesn't mean that it was actually set in Prague, obviously. But yeah, um, yeah curious to uh, to read here or consume that in every way I possibly can. And, uh, yeah, July 19th. I think I said that. Uh, yeah, pre order. You can pre order it right now. Yeah, I yeah. am uh, putting an order in with my bookstore as we speak. <laughs> and if you go through Barnes and Noble, you can get the audiobook, which is what I plan to do. So then I can listen to it while I'm quilting or doing something else. So uh, the uh, the Orville novella, just to clarify, so it's it's not actually in print, right? It's like an ebook, or I think it's an audio version. There's definitely an audio version. Um, I thought it might be in print, or it may not be in print just yet. Yeah, but, uh, 
uh, on the Disney site, it just says available formats, ebook and audio. But, yeah. Uh, uh, fingers crossed it comes out in print because that's my preference. But um, it's good to know. It's hard to get an ebook signed. Yep. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm curious about the audio, though. I wonder who reads it. Uh, the president of the uh, union. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, anyway, I believe so. Re- yeah, we can rewind the episode. Of- oh, you just said that earlier, didn't you, Bruce Boxleitner? <laughs> okay, I was not. Okay. The uh, glowing creature on the the cover reminds me a little bit of that one episode of TNG where like Jordy starts to like what transform or something, and they have the they shine the lights and they get the UV glowing creatures to find them. Oh, I can't remember the name of that episode now. <laughs> when you have half of the writers from Star Trek now writing for the Orville, it's very easy to start find commonalities between the uh, <laughs> current plots that you see in Orville and things that you see from Star Trek. There, there'll be things that I see and I'll be like, I bet you Braga wrote this. And you go back and you read it and like, yeah, that's his style. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. <laughs> Yeah, does it have a little bit of a horror aspect to it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, his fingers are all over Voyager, which is, you know, the reason why I work at NASA is Star Trek Voyager. So <clears throat> it's great to see him getting involved in this. All right, Michael, you want to sign us off? Sure. Uh, so if you are not already, follow us on Twitter. We're at planetary underscore union. Uh, we are also on Facebook on Planetary Union Network. Our Instagram account is Planetary Union Network. And our website, planetaryunion.net, which is very clever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, reach out to us at any of those places. Um, and uh, we like we like talking to Orville fans. So, um, and, and you can usually find some really cool uh, news and promotions and other exclusive kind of things that, uh, that Joe has access to and shares with everybody. So, and also make sure you, uh, you follow Kayla on Twitter. She's got awesome stuff. You're, uh, <laughs> it's uh, at onto Mars Kayla, right? Yes. It's uh, at O N the letter two. And then, or the number two, M-A-R-S underscore Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A. Um, yep, I'll talk a lot about working at NASA. I'm not, but my opinions are my own. I do not represent NASA. And uh, I'll talk a lot about hockey and cats and the Orville. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I just say that to you. Um, that'll wrap us up, Bo. I think this episode. So, um, thank you again, Kayla. It was really fun talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And until next time, Unk Smash. Unk Smash. Unk Smash. <laughs> <laughs>